Welcome to the Bike Talk with Dave podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mabel. And not only do I appreciate you for tuning in today, I also really appreciate my two guests. If you've been following this podcast, you know that I'm planning on lining up at the Arrowhead 135 Winter Fat Bike Ultra in January of 2025, about a year from now. And Steve McGuire, a veteran of nearly a dozen Arrowhead races, as well as a ton of others like the Tescobia 160, the Iditarod 350, Riding Across Iceland. Well, he's my mentor in helping all of us prepare for any kind of long, challenging ride that we might have on the horizon. Anyway, this year's Arrowhead was super challenging. It was warm and there was very little snow. And that trail is such that the snowmobile, there is no trail in a lot of the places. The snowmobiles create the trail after it snows. And there was so little snow, the trail sometimes hardly existed. So Steve, who rides a single speed fat bike, had some real challenges making headway on the northern Minnesota Trail. Meanwhile, up front, Kate Coward, who's done Arrowhead more ways and more times than I can even keep track of, rolled across the finish line in just over 25 hours, taking victory in the women's race and finishing fourth overall. So I thought it would be kind of fun to have them both on and just let them download their very different experiences at this year's race and we could all learn from what they found this year. They both agreed and we arranged a call literally the day after the race and what a treat. So after I spent some time getting to know Kate, the two of them got into their arrowhead and I just shut up and listened. And what we're left with is something I like to call Bering Sea Gold. I hope you enjoy. This is Kate Coward and Steve McGuire. Gosh, this is a real treat. It's Thursday and Arrowhead officially finished about 24 hours ago. And I am sitting here with Kate Coward, the women's winner on Fat Bike. And I can't even believe anybody finished. And Steve McGuire, my mentor in the Fat Bike world. Um... Can I say, can I let the, the scratch out of the bag, Steve? Oh, yeah. About <laughs> Steve's dot did not make it all the way oh, no. to the uh, finish line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I know you both have great stories and are going to help me in my quest to cross that finish line 364 days from now. Maybe 363 if I'm fast. You're going to do um, it. Uh, so, Kate Coward, Steve McGuire, welcome to Bike Talk with Dave. It's I'm super excited to have you guys on. I, I'm and really excited you, for this. I uh, well, you dove in pretty quickly, so I I'm, I appreciate that. But the way we're going to work, uh, Kate, we're going to talk with you a little bit. People know Steve; he's had freaking podcast after podcast. Um, but you, I'm meeting for the first time. Actually, I'm not meeting for the first time. We. I don't know if we met, but we did cross paths at Arrowhead in Mill George's in 2020, and you came barreling in, and uh, and I think I was loading up a van load to take back to International Falls of people who were scratching, but um, but we crossed paths for about three minutes okay. in, uh, in Mill, Mill George's uh, four years ago. Yeah, four years ago, exactly. So. So I don't know you, Kate. You are a a B A freaking not just a winter fat bike ultra B A, but a gravel B A too. And uh, you got a bit of a late start in doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, where'd you come from? What was your introduction to the uh, world of bicycles and going really long ways on bicycles? Oh. Uh, you know, it, it actually, you know, I think it started with, with running. I, uh, so I, I, I played uh, division one 
I don't know if you call it played, but I rode in college, Division One. Oh. And um, we won the national championship. And so I was really excited and inspired by sort of, you know, bigger than high school, big sort of big format performance and there were Olympians on, on my team and um, I was nowhere near their talent. Uh, but, um, you know, after, after college, I was always exercising and I enjoyed sports and um, moving my body, but, um, you know, I, I had a bucket list and it was run a marathon before I die. That was like the most, um, uh, incredible sort of athletic <laughs> goal on there. And, uh, I had a, I had a couple of friends who had run a marathon. Um, and you know, I was like 22, 23 at the time. And I thought you run a marathon. Wait, wait okay, well, I better get going on this. And then I tell them, they said, well, Oprah ran a marathon. So if Oprah ran a marathon, I can run a marathon. I said, well, if Oprah ran a marathon and you ran a marathon, I'm going to sign up for a marathon. So I signed up for my first marathon. And then that turned into, wouldn't it be cool if I ran a marathon in every continent? So I was living in Tokyo um, shortly after uh, I had run my first two marathons and had um, was really close to qualifying for Boston. So I flew down to Australia, ran a marathon there, qualified for Boston. And then I went online and found out that there's this whole club that is the Seven Continents Club that has done these things. So I ended up doing all that, finished with Antarctica, and um, still thought running any further than a marathon was crazy. Like, who would ever do anything like that? It is. It is. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then, uh, and then I, when, I, when I moved back to Minnesota in my 30s, I had some friends who were into the Ironman and triathlon, mostly Ironman distance, but the triathlon community. And um, I was very intimidated, very, you know, it's scary. There's a lot of equipment and, um, you know, it looks like something you really have to be on your game and actually train for all these different sports and travel and all the things. But I thought I really want to do an Ironman because I want to be in on this club. And so uh, I signed up for an Ironman, did that. I did that for many years, I think seven or eight of them. Um, and then, uh, and, and somewhere in the late, uh, I don't even remember my first arrowhead. That was probably like either 2015 or 2016. Um, I knew Steve Tannen and he said he was doing this thing called arrowhead and he told me about it. And I was like, what, what is, that sounds crazy, but also you're doing it. Like, I want to do that. <laughs> and then, um, I also was friends with, um, Steve, Yor. I don't know if, Steve, you know, Steve, you are, but he used to be, um, he, he came to Arrowhead a few, few years, right. um, mm -hmm. and was one of the you know top five, um, male yeah. cyclists. And I had met him years before at a, at a, he, him and his wife at a wedding. And, um, so I, I, I had heard that he had done it too. And I, I called him up and I said, Hey, could you get me into this race? I mean, so stupid, right? <laughs> and this was like, I don't remember if Ken, I could probably dig up the emails, but I, I think I emailed Ken and said, is there a chance I could get in? And this is like the fall before my first arrowhead. I didn't have a fat bike. And, uh, and then I asked Steve, like, hey, could you put in a good word for me? And so Steve emailed and Ken wrote back and he said, yep, sorry, you know, maybe next year. And then um, and then I got an email in December from Ken saying, um, assuming you qualify, if you still are interested, there could be a spot for you. And that was back when we had to do the handwritten applications, oh, right? Nice. You had to write right. your, you know, I will be a great citizen of the community and everything and like why I deserve to be in. So I, I, I sort of gave him my credentials, which looking back on it, probably were not great credentials. <laughs> um, but uh, so I, uh, I, he, he, I got in and then it was like, oh shit, I need to go get a bike. So I um, went to Freewheel bought a bike. It had, it was not meant for touring. It was a Trek Farley. There were no, um, uh, what do we call them? I'm just losing like my bosses to screw on. Yeah. No bolts or anything mm -hmm. for anything to go on there. And so I get the bike and I go over to Steve yours and he gives me all of his equipment and I had a notepad and a pen pen and I was writing down notes, like what to do and how to do it. And I was just buying all these things, like didn't have any mentors. I don't even know if we had the Facebook group at that time. And, right. um, so I got on snow and then I promised I'd do Tuscobia 80, did the Tuscobia 80 took me forever. I didn't know about tire pressure. I kept flying off the bike into the snow, very frustrated that all these people were passing me. <laughs> and, um, and so showed up at Arrowhead, terrified. 
absolutely terrified. I had every, the warmest things that I thought you could think of, but it was a warm year. It was, it was maybe even warmer than this year. I don't know. It was, um, you know, 16 ish where we were, there were, I mean, I finished in 36 hours. It was a long, I, I I just, um, so I showed up completely overdressed out of just utter fear and, um, and then, um, and I finished and I thought this was the most incredible, crazy thing I have ever done. And it was not even hot. Um, and I didn't have enough food or water between checkpoints because I didn't know how long it was going to take, was totally underprepared. I was feeling very sick. Um, finished in 36 hours, lifted my bike over my shoulders, you know, and I was very proud of myself. Um, and then, uh, and then showed up the next year. And then, then came back and then ended up doing, um, you know, I've, I've done it all three ways. I've done it forwards, backwards, twice, done it outside of the race. I mean, all kinds of, uh, um, yeah, that's, that's now I even, I've gotten kind of off track. I even forgot what you asked me, but that's my introduction <laughs> to Aaron. <laughs> uh, that's fair. And you know what? That's like, like every one of those conversations could be an entire conversation. Right. Like, yeah. uh, what you were national champion rowing? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going back to rowing. What'd you row? What was your, like, what'd you row? Like, where was your seat? And what event? I was engine room. So, like, six seat usually, five, six. In an eight. Um, in an eight, usually an eight. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I was in a four, but usually an eight. And I, um, I wrote, I rode both sides. We call them bisexual. So I was both a starboard uh-huh. and a port. Um, nice. and you know, I had not great technique. It was just like, just be quiet, sit there and let everyone else do the technical things, but you're strong. So you're and, right. and like, <laughs> let your legs yeah. do the work. Right. So what, yes. what, what school power. was this? What school yeah. was this? I went to Brown university in Rhode Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. So national champion there. And then what yeah. you ran a, marathon on all seven continents there are yes. not a lot of people that i have ever met that have that's done right that. so that's yeah. pretty dang cool as well, uh, well what I, was antarctica like? oh antarctica was incredible um it's really surreal and uh i i i lined it up last because i just felt like there was something kind of spiritual about having that be the last continent and um, I was traveling around for work. I was either living overseas or had jobs where I had to travel a, a bunch. So um, I was very fortunate because I was able to reduce a bunch of costs by incorporating um, travel, whether it was for leisure or running into my work uh, travel. But um, Antarctica was, it was really crazy, actually, that year. So you, you get on a wait list and you could be on it for years and you have to pay cash. Mm-hmm. And I was very young and I did not have the cash. So I was like, <laughs> I mean, every little dollar that came in, I was going into that fund and I was making sure I was making the payments. Um, and you so you go on this waiting list and uh, historically this has been run on the peninsula. So it's not near the South pole. It's not as cold right. in this area. Um, and they have commissioned this, I think it's like an old Russian research or science ship. So it's very bare bones, um, cold, bare, barren, because it's, and it was a very, it's a very affordable, basically the most affordable way to go to Antarctica is to- Other to, than rowing there yourself. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and the year that I, I, so I ended up getting in because another woman I had met on, um, when we ran the Great Wall had gotten in. And so since I could be her roommate, um, oh. I sort of, ex- I moved up the wait list. And so earlier that year, it was, this was in February or March when the race was, oh. but earlier in that summer, we got this email that said, the ship is wrecked. Like it's shipwrecked. Oh. There's no ship. We'll let you know what happens. And I thought, no, <laughs> oh, no. And so, um, then a few months later, we got an, another email that said we, they, they found a ship we're trying to find a crew. I don't know all the, I don't remember all the details, but it was something like that. So game on. And we went down to Buenos Aires, spent a couple of days there, flew down to Ushuaia or the Terra del Fuego, which is the basically the tip of Antarctica. And the ship that we got was this um, Caribbean puddle jumper that had been <laughs> retrofitted for Arctic and Antarctic expedition. And it's a small ship. It fits like, I think 120 people max, including crew. 
So we're not talking like, don't imagine like big Caribbean cruise line stuff. This is like right. very intimate, very tiny, but it was posh. I mean, oh, nice. when I think about the history of this race and what they would travel down in and what we got, it was like, oh, hello. <laughs> it was just amazing. It was very beautiful and um, very fast. So on the way down, oh. um, we had no weather. The weather was like very easy. We got uh -huh. down there in record times. We had an extra day to tour down oh, cool. um, on the peninsula. And we just would island hop and look at penguins or go to iceberg graveyards, things like that. And it was really cool because the expedition team, there was a geologist, an ornithologist, a historian. And um, I feel like there was one more professional. So on the, during the trip on the way down, they had these seminars basically to learn about the history of that area, the animals, the geography, the earth, you know, all things. And um, so that was really cool. And there was a year when the weather was so bad that the race actually happened on the boat and they had oh to my. run around the boat like 300 or 400 times. And so I was a ball of nerves on the way down. Cause I just thought I like paying, I think it was like eight grand or something. I mean, this was like every like, year, this is what I have right now <laughs> because I knew it was a great experience and I had sort right. of a lifetime to make it up at the time. And, uh, but I was really worried that I wouldn't get like the actual experience. Right. Um, and, uh, and also there's, we had to get visas. The, the IATO treaty is this I don't know, 45, 40 or 45 nations that collectively sort of govern the Antarctica, uh, land, so to speak. And the UN, I think manages the visas and there are only so many a year. So they may not be approved. So there was a lot of anxiety leading up to the event, but it ended up happening. And, um, it was, I don't know, low 20, it was warmer there than it was in Minnesota, um, training oh. for it. And, uh, and, and it was fun and I made some friends and still, you know, connect with them on Facebook. And so it's, it's a really incredible experience, but now having gotten into winter ultras and having done, you know, Airhead twice on foot, like in a row at the same time. Yeah. I sort of think that that Antarctica, I mean, it was cool to be there, but the actual physical event was sort of, this is going to, you know, it's. I don't want to use the word easy, but easy? Well, cute, you know. I mean, now I feel oh, like, wow. All right. well, I want to go back wow. and do a hundred mile at the South Pole. Like I want to do something right, 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 right. Ma yeah. major, massive after yep. it. But um, I do feel really very lucky to have had that experience. It was really positive. I learned a lot. You feel very small, very connected to the wild when you're down there. Uh, that's yeah. pretty cool. A friend of mine actually did um, did a marathon in South uh, in Antarctica. Uh, and he had the, like his course was laps. Like there was a three kilometer loop mm. that they ran over and over and over. Was that, was that no. similar to your course or did you like have a, I mean, there's no streets. I, I think what we did, so we went to, it's called like King George Island, I think. And so we actually had to get like passport approvals from Uruguay, Chile, China and maybe Russia because they had research stations that we were going to be basically trespassing on or walking across. So we had to, they, the, the, our, um, trip planners, um, had to work with those countries to get permission basically. And, um, so what we did was we had, I, I, I may not remember this perfectly, but I believe we had the start and finish same location and we went out five miles and back and then out five miles and back the other way. Mm -hmm. And then maybe there was like something else or maybe it was, it made it, maybe it was more like six. So it almost or seven, you know, six uh -huh. plus. So it worked out perfectly. So it was two out and backs basically. Huh? Oh, that's pretty cool. That's a great experience. And I mean, here we are Amazing. Um, 20 years later, still yes. talking about it. <laughs> 20 years later no um 2011 was when i did it so oh okay so 10, 10 11 12 yeah. years later yeah uh, very cool um all right well uh that's our show today but um thanks for <laughs> tuning in oh wait are we here to talk about this is, a, this is bike talk with dave <laughs> it is bike talk um 
so yeah, you've done Arrowhead a lot of times, and holy moly, like you're making my uh, journey to Arrowhead look again posh, cute. <laughs> no, got, you're gonna do it. You're right. You just don't overthink it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, by virtue of the fact that I'm doing all of these podcasts with Steve, I think I'm overthinking it. Yeah. But yeah. um, well, here's here's what I tell people. I mean, I, I really believe this. And I wrote I wrote I collaborated in an article with Jill and Leah and Ken for the North last year. I don't know if you saw it, but um, I mean, it was the article premise was or que question to us was what does it take to finish Arrowhead 135? And what I have experienced or seen, I mean, yes, things happen with you get sick, you hurt yourself or get a mechanical Let's just set those reasons aside. Um, what I find is people doing all the preparation with getting their bike dialed in or their sled dialed in with their training, with their nutrition, and they have all these plans. And then many of those people end up DM nothing because of their head. Yeah. What they, happens they, in their head? They, um, fear. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's, I've heard, um, I'm not having fun anymore. Oh, again, what, is there anything in life <laughs> that is fun the whole time? You yeah, can you go know. to paradise with your family and it's not going to be fun the whole time. You're right, wrangling right. kids, your flight yeah. gets delayed, something happens. And so I think going in with that mindset of like, it's not supposed to be fun the whole time, but feel having gratitude, finding the joy. And then just trusting that our bodies are amazing. We can do incredible things. And um, if you're a little bit cold, that's not necessarily a, a threat, right? You, right. If you move, you get warm. If you mm -hmm. eat, you get warm. If you drink, you get warm. But keep moving. Don't stop. Um, I just think, I think that is um, coming in with your mental preparation and having a plan is really important. Um, especially if that is not something that is easy for you, you have to work harder at it. So that might look like, what am I going to tell myself when I just want to quit? Or what am I, what are, what are my mantras that I'm going to repeat to myself to get myself back in, in the space? And I wasn't, I mean, I do have, um, I think I have natural grit, but my first arrowhead when we were walking I don't know, forever. I just, I was, you know, kind of like, I thought I came to have a bike race and here I am walking my bike the whole time, you know, blah, blah, right. like little, you know, blah, 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 blah. And there was this um, um, gentleman, um, Dallas from Winnipeg, who he, he was like, he gave me the most, the absolute best advice. And he is with me all the time, every minute, never forget it. And, um, and that was, he just said, girl, can't do that to yourself. You gotta, gotta get your head straight. Cause if you start thinking negatively, you're going to spiral and it's just going to get worse. The finish line is going to get further away. You've got three days. I mean, that's the thing. Bikers have three days. to finish. Right. No, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I talked to uh, Neil Belchenko last year and he's like, yeah, I made it to tower in time for the evening buffet. They were yes. still serving the buffet that night. I was like, I thought this is an ultra, like yeah. three days. You have to go three overnights. Why do you have a sleeping bag? You were there for the buffet. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. We've got 60 hours to go 135 miles. Yeah. Ought to be but, able to but, and, and not that you want to be, right I mean, I, I don't think I'd want to spend, take 60 hours on the right. bike for that for sure. distance. I mean, so you can get it done faster. So, but that's, a, that would be a mental aspect, but you just, you have to think about that. Um, and I, I, I see people, I've seen people give up too, too easily and, mm -hmm. and that's their choice. But if it's something that you really want, then you have to think about training your mind coming into it because this is not, I mean, everyone's coming in with some bit of fitness, which is probably good enough. And I'm, I'm speaking to bikers because foot is a whole different animal. So I don't want to disrespect that because that took me the full 60 hours. Um, barely. It was like chasing. There's nothing more um, uh, stressful than chasing cutoff times for like three days straight. That was the yeah, worst right. experience. Um, I didn't like that. So huge respect for the foot division because it just takes so much more preparation. And there's something else about um, that 
that experience. It's very different, but for, for biking, you know, you, you have the luxury of a little bit more time. And so if you don't have your headspace right, and you're actually looking for reasons not to finish, um, then the question is, why are you there? What, yep. like, what, what made you want to come here? Um, and, uh, and so whatever that reason is, think about it and then think about if you're going to return, because there are a lot of people who really come in intending, um, to, um, do anything possible to finish and they would love your spot. <laughs> um, right. it's, you know, it's, it's really, I hate seeing that when, um, people give up so easily. And then I think, gosh, there's probably a hundred other people who would have loved to have had that spot and would have, um, uh, thought twice a little bit longer. So, um, and I don't want to, that's not, I don't want to disrespect people who have chosen to quit. I mean, we have our low moments, but if you choose to return, just think about that. Think about why you're going, what your plan is, um, and, and what your goals are. And then think about the other people who also want to be there and, and, and do the race. Yeah. So th- this will be a good, great segue. Good segue. To Steve McGuire. Yeah. So this is. Yeah. Exactly... What happened? Did I just offend you, Steve? What happened to you? <laughs> no, I no. This is yeah, this Andy. is actually really, 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 really perfect for not only me but for I think everybody. And at the end of the day, um, the reason why I stopped is I just had it. It just over the uh, now. First, did you have to push ever? Oh. Yeah. yeah. So did you push yeah. right after we turned the nine mile, it just turned to shit. Yeah. There was and, a bit of walking. Yeah. That yeah, was very and, frustrating. And so, being, so on, on. Yeah. being on single speed. It oh, you just, were on single speed? Yeah. And so I always ride single speed. And so I was not geared good. Mm-hmm. And every time I try to, to restart, I have to get enough momentum. I always just fall over fall over and Judd and I were doing that forever and I kept thinking you know you're thinking again just forget about it and just enjoy being out here and then um, I watched the time dwindle down and then I just said just like you said uh, it was easy enough for me to say I'm done and um, you know the other thing that this is this is I'm about five years older than Dave at 65 and sometimes I think uh, it's both easier to keep on going, and sometimes you can use your age as an excuse. Uh, you know, physically, I was in really fine shape, just no issues. Uh, but mentally, I kept thinking, this is just never going to end. We're not going to make the, the cutoff time. And, you know, lesson learned uh, Woody finished in 40 hours and we usually finish together or ahead. And I just had to realize the trail's going to change. This is not going to last forever. And, um, you know, and then I thought, uh, maybe I use gears. And then I thought, well, I always like just having single speed so that I don't have a choice. And I spin, and if I do a long event, like, you know, when I would do DK, it would be, I'd literally put myself at the very end, because I was on my fat bike single speed. And then, you know, gradually through the day, but after mile 150, a lot of people have dropped out. I'm way up, way past where I would have thought I would have been. But, you know, it's because of single speed. So. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, the part is it's hard to admit that, that, uh, you made that choice and, uh, but in order to return, you gotta do that. And, yeah. um, uh, yeah, I just finished Escobia and that was so great. And, uh, I always have a hard time doing both at the yeah. same, the same year or doing all three the same year. Um, but so my question is, I mean, you like, you are the badass of the badass. I, I, you know, I watched, um, uh, you know, I, I checked out, you know, 
when I was, we were talking to, when Woody was talking to Jill, she was like, I'm going out, I'm going for it. And I, I looked and there she is. She's in third place. She's only a half mile behind for a while. And then I looked at your position and then you reeled everybody in. And I was just incredibly impressed because you do this event after event. And what I what I saw also with the uh, okay, so you did ITI in twenty twenty or in uh, in twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty is when I finished. Twenty twenty one, I had a um, a long a long issue on rainy pa- basically, and got had a turnaround at rainy pass. So you know, I did. Uh, Judd and I did it together, the 350 in 19, and that was a great event. It was it, there were some really cold nights, uh, mm-hmm. but it was it was so fun. Uh, but what I what I remember is you were just impressive in terms of your doggedness and moving forward. So mm-hmm. how do you? Some um, think it's stupid, but thank you. <laughs> how do you? Uh, how did you maintain this pace the whole time through this race? You're sweating, obviously. Yeah. How do you maintain uh, not getting cold and sweating so much? Are we talking Iditarod or Arrowhead? Arrowhead. Arrowhead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was warm this year. It did get cold in the night uh, when it was raining or yeah. sleeting. Or, you know, that that weather. There was a little weather pattern that came through. And I felt pretty chilled. Um put on a dry base layer and hat, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I only have one speed. I just go. And, and I know now that I can, I, I can maintain that speed or even get faster. Um, mm-hmm. because I, there, I, I, and I don't know, I have to go to a therapist or something to, to unpack this a lot, but, um, I just, there's something about the more um, adversity and the more like I, I'm, I run to the fire. Like if there's, mm-hmm. if there's chaos and fire, I like to run toward it and make sense of it or, um, or, or put the fire out or whatever that looks like. Like even in my job, um, give me the complicated problem that people can't solve or something just ridiculous and overwhelming. And I will make it look simple. Like I just, I enjoy that. And, there's something the physicalness of this race, like the worse weather, the better I'll do. So like it, last year it was really cold, but right. you know, we've, we know how to manage that cold. Um, we've had it a few times on Arrowhead. We've done it up in Alaska. Um, and I, uh, so, so this time, um, I just, I just have this max and I can just push it and I just keep, keep doing it. Um, and I don't, I, I probably have like a sort of, uh, maybe too high of a pain tolerance and, um, you know, I really can get myself into trouble. Cause when I finished, I couldn't even, I couldn't even like see straight or talk or anything. I mean, I really leave it all out there, but that's, yeah. but for me, that's the commitment. Like I can't leave it. If like I have anxiety about, leaving a race having not done absolutely everything to do my best. So I need to push myself to my limit in order to feel like I came and I showed up and I did what I had to do because otherwise I might have, a, I might feel like, well, I, I didn't give it my all or I could have this or I could have that or I would have this or would have that. And I just don't want any of that to be available. I want to just know that I did my absolute best. And so, you know, for me, it's usually, uh, my all involves, uh, uh, not thinking, uh, mm-hmm. moving forward without stopping and finishing, uh, you know, depending on the year and the course, uh, conditions, uh, it'll be faster or slower. I think my fastest arrowhead was 27 hours. Usually you probably agree the colder, the better. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, the trail is usually more likely to be good. Um, it, it actually seems easier 
to regulate your temperature when it's really cold. You know what yeah, the I boundaries do. are. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I like that. Um, as I get older, I like the challenge of uh, always being out there in wilderness and kind of pushing yourself. Um, in years ago, 1995, uh, I did the idea to and back then it was 175 miles and I had this crazy fat wheel of 50 millimeter rim with a 2.25 inch tire and, you know, no GPS. We had a, a topo map and I look back, I was 37 at the time and I wouldn't have even thought about getting on the bike that I use then now. I, right? I can't even, yeah, I can't <laughs> really even believe yeah. that I did it. And uh, I don't know. Do you remember who John Stampstead? Do you ever hear that mm -hmm. name? He was just incredible back then. I mean, he's, he's the one that set the original records for Great Divide, mountain bike route, those kinds of things. He, he really started that. Uh, you know, he was there. But I can remember in the, after 24 hours, I was in second place. And I was shocked. It had taken me so much research through interlibrary loan just to get on the trail. And then... I was afraid after that that I had I was doing something wrong that I shouldn't do this and so I kept trying to sleep for 8 hours before I finally gave up. And you know, it took a couple of years to figure out you don't sleep. There's just no way you can sleep until yeah. you're just until your body just gives in and and goes to sleep. I mean, uh first arrowhead that was a mistake. I it was really cold in 2014. I didn't know what to expect. I kept thinking, okay, I'll lay down at the checkpoint and try to sleep a little bit. And that was impossible. And I just didn't know, I didn't have a plan for what I was going to do after. Um, I, you know, what I, what I observe with, with you or with people that are really fast, but I, I guess this is true for everybody. Once you know how to finish it, you know how to finish it. And uh, it's really a matter of being able to execute that uh, the next time, because there's always going to be something that's completely uh, out of the blue and unexpected. But, you know, you're going fast. Uh, there were only like a couple of men in front of you. It was. You, well, you, but I, I mean, I don't know. Like I, uh, so I didn't stop. Right. And they, they enjoyed the checkpoints cause I was unsupported. So I rode through gateway, just waved. And then I got to, um, Mel George's and I mean, I, I kept having a flat in my rear wheel. Um, so, so what, PSI were, what PSI were you running? I don't, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't you know, either. I, I do it by a feel. One wrinkle feel. I don't, yeah. I don't, I have no idea, but, um, I, I had it pumped up pretty high at the beginning because that first eight miles on the blue ox was pretty slick. It was pretty quick. Yeah. And then, um, and then I let it out. I kept letting it out, kept letting it out. And it, I don't believe on those rims, um, I have run very low. I did not use them in Alaska In Alaska. I was running with like two or three wrinkles in there, but I had, um, different rims these are a little bit wider. They're not quite as wide as the heads, but pretty close. And I think that, I think they didn't like that lower PSI that I was running. And so they had maybe like a, a side rim leak because there yeah. was sealant everywhere. Cause at one point I, I was, I was trucking along and I'm like, why does this feel so hard? It just felt <laughs> like it was like I was getting sucked in and I had studs in. So I thought, well, maybe it's the studs because it's only my second time using studs. I've never used them in Minnesota before, but I put them on not because we had heard reports about the conditions. Right. I was expecting potential very slick ice in certain places. And, uh, and so, and then these people just like blew by me from, you know, I'm like, what, what's that slow? I looked down and I, I, I had a flat. And then of course I was not, I was very um, concerned because I didn't have anything really to, to repair it. Um, don't, don't take my advice on anything, by the way. Um, and uh, and so I, I, I pumped it up 
and it held a little bit, then went low again, pumped. So it was like every 20, 15, 20 minutes or so I was pumping it up. And I don't know how long I did this for. Finally, um, I, I noticed on one of the pumps, then I noticed that it was sort of holding. So I decided to pump it really high because the, then that, that section, there was some really nice rideable areas. And so, um, I pumped it up and it ended up holding. So sometime, I don't know, closer to, mm. to, to Mel George's, um, I, excuse me. Hi, how are you? Uh, I, you know, I, I ran a little bit of a narrower rim than I usually do because I was going to lower my, I did lower my PSI. I was afraid I was going to burp out, uh, all the air. Yeah. And that, well, but, and then I thought, oh my gosh, I am really far from being able to hike a bike anyway, <laughs> a long, a long way to go. Um, so it worked out for me, but, um, uh, there, now I even forgot what question we were on. I'm still a brain fog. I can't even, <laughs> what was the question? Well, the question was how you just, uh, keep on going so fast oh, yeah. and maintain that speed. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, um, I just, uh, I, I just have one speed. I can't go super fast. Um, and I can, I can hold like a faster pace for a long period of time. Um, and then not going into the checkpoint. Like I don't usually stay long anyway. Um, if I do, it's cause I need to get dry or warm. Um, but that's mm. it. I don't, I don't, I don't like to sit around, um, and spend my time that way. And so, um, I was able to claw back a bit of time. I mean, I, I, I would say like, I probably until like mile 90 ish, I was not all out. Usually I would be all out going as hard as I can, but I was holding back just a little bit knowing that I had five liters of water and like um, two to 3000 calories. And I needed that to last however long that was going to be. And after the first 35 miles, I was not sure if we were going to finish on Wednesday or not. So I was really gunning for another two days. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to go two days, this is going to be a long one because I do not have a lot of supplies because I did not decide to um, go unsupported until that morning. So I didn't have extra. I only had enough fuel to, for, to, for, to qualify for finishing. Um, and for people listening, there's, you have to have a certain amount of fuel or as tablets when you finish. So if you use them, even though you had them at the beginning, that does not count. That's a DNF. So I knew that. So I thought I'll just, I'll just suffer. I'll figure it out. But when the, the course was a little slower than I thought it would be. So, so question. So <laughs> did it run through your mind that you might tap into that open water and drink it? I did. Yeah, did you? you know, I was going to do the same thing. No, that I, open water. Yeah. So first of all, I fell in. Thank you. I mean, what an idiot. But I was very out of it, tired and um, foggy. Bike was heavy, all the things. And uh, so I fell in and then um, I had a um, like a little mini water bottle on, on, my, on my bike. And I, I stuck it in and then I dropped it and it kind of started floating. <laughs> I just like died for like this. Um, and, um, it was very, it was very clear, fresh and cold water. It was delicious. And I have not gotten sick. Yeah, I know. I figured (laughs) you just, uh, you know, drink it, you get sick. You're not going to get sick until it's done. So yeah, literally, I don't care. I'm like, I'll be sick when I'm done. That's fine. It's going to happen. Can I ask uh, what trail conditions were like? Like what I know the pictures I saw, there was open water there. I just looked mm-hmm. horrible. It didn't look like you could even ride a bike on any picture I saw, but it sounds it like you were a, riding a bike a lot. So describe the trail conditions. Yeah, I don't, I rode a lot more than I thought that would be rideable for sure. Um, very surprising, but it was, I, I would just call it like a charcuterie board of weather. So it, it, every few miles there was something new. So, um, the first, Steve, when did you, when did you have to stop? Before gateway. Yeah. But what, do you know where before gateway, what mile or? No, uh, around 30. Okay. So, so pretty close. Cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the first, um, eight, nine, 10 miles. So we, it, you go on the blue ox trail at mile eight, you, you take a hard, um, 90 degree, right which it or left, excuse me, which is east. 
then you head due east and then kind of south, southeast. Um, in that, then that's all swampy, those next 10-ish plus miles. Um, and that was um, not very rideable. There were like sections, but it was very bumpy. Um, and then uh, between Gateway and Mel George's, it was very rideable, but just sticky. It was almost mm-hmm. like sucking you in. Um, and there was a lot of um, dogwood and all, you know, all those weeds just sticking out of the trail. And so we were getting, it was weed whacking, but it was the, those, the bush or the weeds whacking you. So you'd fly through in your bike and it was like, you know, just hitting you everywhere. And every time I went through, I thought, oh, this is going to be the time that I have that stick puncture right into my tire. Every time I still am very surprised that it didn't happen. Um, and then after Mel George's, it was again, rideable, but just slow, hard, because it was, it was very, a lot softer. Um, and thankfully the sun didn't really come out that day because it, so it held yeah. a bit of form. Um, and then there was a section, I don't know, it was maybe 10 or 15 miles between Mel George's and, uh, check, uh, embark where it was completely unbroken trail. So like think like Alaska, like if you were, if there was no snowmobile traffic. Mm. So um, all there was where there was the feet and then the bike path. And I tried hopping on it a couple of times, but it just wasn't packed down. And it was so narrow, you couldn't really hold a line. Um, and that was a really hard section. And then after check, after um, embark checkpoint three, it rode the whole way. There was no walking, but it was very bumpy like mm-hmm. very uneven, very bumpy. My wrists feel like they were sprained or, or hit with a hammer or something. Just so, really hurt. Very jarring. That was yeah. really interesting. I mean, I'm used to snowmobile moguls, but this was way different than that. It was just, I, I don't know what, if it was the, uh, the grass that was underneath the, mm-hmm. the branches that were underneath that were causing that but it was really, really bumpy. And, uh, yeah. And, and actually the last 20 miles leading into tower, which is a teeny, teeny uphill and there's always a headwind. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the longest 25 miles of your life. Um, that almost looked like it was a, const- it felt like a, and looked like a construction site. Oh, wow. So for, so because, and what I, when I mean that it, it was like, you know, when you go to a construction site and there's been bulldozers and so the, the, all the soils kind of bumpy and ribbed and rutted. And it's just, that's, that's, that's what it was like the whole time. And, um, there was, uh, um, like no real good line. Like you would go in one place and it was like really, really slow. And then the next line would be slow and the next one would be slow ish. (laughs) There's just, I mean, it was, it was really hard. That was really hard to get through there because that section's usually fun. It's hard because of the net uphill, but it's, I've never, I've never been through there where it's not smooth, even if slow, it's been smooth, but it was so bumpy and raw and wild. And it just made, it was a, it was really hard. Yeah. You know, the, something that you said, and Dave, I'm, I'm, I'm um, returning to, uh, the original attempt and that Tim or intention, and that's to get you to the end of, of Arrowhead. And that is it's 60 hours on a bike. That's easily doable. Even if you have to walk the whole way, though, pushing a bike is slower than pulling a sled. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, everyone has been a matter of uh, being flexible, my thinking and recasting how I imagine the event being, because when I go in with an, I, I know in the past when I've gone in with high expectations for how the trail is going to be, um, if I'm not flexible, it, it becomes a real challenge. And I actually thought that this year I had built in all the flexibility. Uh, I, I don't like riding single speed in mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know it would have been easily doable just to to walk. Um, so I, you know, I think you know the idea is next year we've got sixty hours, and uh, the other thing that I've embraced over the past few years is I carry the sleeping bag for a reason. If I really need to stop, 
I can get my sleeping bag out. I, you know, when I was doing Tuscoby and I, I, did you do the 80 or 160 this year? 160. Oh yeah, that's right. You were a badass. I remember seeing that. So, um, I was on a gravel bike. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that. I, I rode what I was going to ride at Arrowhead. So I rode 4.8 inch tires. I, I, uh, but Still we were can't both. That you had a single speed for this. this uh, so the, I, I rode two to one at, at Tuscobie and that was fine. But I, you know, in the middle of the, you know, ride and I realized, holy shit, you didn't carry your sleeping bag. If something really happened, you're in trouble, dude. This makes no sense. And so I really embrace the reality that that survival gear, even if it's 40 degrees, is going to be really, really important. And um, so this time when I was on Arrowhead, I, or when we're on Arrowhead, you know, the idea is that if you need to sleep, you need to sleep. I, I was telling Judd the story in 2014 at Tuscobia. It was mashed potatoes. It was horrible. I don't know if you know Chris Plesko uh, from Colorado. Uh, he was on a single speed. He just gave up going through the mashed potatoes. He went to sleep because he saw what the weather was going to be. Got up in the middle of the night. The temperature dropped 30 degrees, and he just flew down the trail. Now, I knew that wasn't going to happen this year. Uh, it, it just was – there was rain. It was 37 degrees. Uh, but anyway, we'll do what we need to do to get through. And Steve, you said something that I think is really important is, you know, when I was talking about the, the mental game and coming in prepared, I, I, I had shared or had the angle mostly of like, well, what's your plan and make sure you stay positive and all of that. But the other piece that is maybe equally important in that mental game is that flexibility. So being able to be agile and just surrendering to every mile, because if you come in and you have certain expectations, you are going to be very disappointed because whatever you're thinking is going to happen is not going to happen. You, you can have a, you have a plan to have a plan for anything. Yeah. Fine. But like you should expect you are not going to like something about the conditions yeah. that is winter ultras period. And so if you can come in and just surrender to whatever happens, happens every mile, there's going to be something new and I'm going to accept it and take it one step at a time. You're going to be very successful. I think that yeah. that's, um, I'm glad that you brought that up. You know, it's, it's really interesting. I was talking to Judd and now that we're both on probation and, um, <laughs> You know, I, I, we were thinking, now, if we were in Alaska, this would not be an issue. It wasn't an right. issue. We were on single speed. We walked for three days. That's what we did. But, you know, the expectation was 135 miles. We're going to burn this thing up. Oh, we can't ride a single speed in this shit. I'm not going to do this. And that was absolutely not the lesson. Uh, it was a good lesson to learn, uh, you know, because physically I was fine. I had, you know, I felt like I had trained really good for Tuscobia and Tuscobia was good for me. And, uh, we had a lot of weather where it was just near to impossible to do anything, but, uh, try out clothing and gear. Uh, it just, it just, the streets were a mess. The trails were a mess. I don't, we got more snow than you guys did up north. Uh, we were dumped on. We had 27 inches in five days. And that, so it was a mess. But No, it was heaven. So were you clipped in? You were clipless pedals? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, ever since, I think I did two, two of my first two years. No, I did flat pedals and boots. Um, and then I've run clips ever since. So when you're, when you're out there and you're riding, um, you know, when you're out in front, I can't help but think that you know that you're really close to achieving something. And how do you, how do you navigate what's in your head when you're out in front like that? Well, 
I mean, the first, so the, the first half I, I wasn't, I, um, Emily and, and Jill were ahead of me and I, I don't, um, I, I'm, I'm, a, I set a really bad example because I don't, I don't prepare or, or like think through <laughs> the details of the, of the race well enough, but I didn't know that unsupported was not like a separate category. Like you're still competing against all the same people. So in my head, I was like, oh, I'm like one of the only unsupported women. So I'll just, you know, and I was up there and thinking like, oh, they can go, go ahead, go ahead. You're, I'm not racing you. (laughs) 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 And then, um, you know, Jill and I were chatting and she, she went off the front so hard right away. And I'm like, oh, she's gone. Good for her. That's amazing. And then we kind of were able to, we actually um, met up with each other at some point and we're with each other for quite a bit. And that was our first time really riding together. And by the way, about Alaska, we were like, this would be nothing in Alaska. This would be like, this would actually be an amazing rideable oh, race. I know. You just like, so so wow. we. I mean, I think we were both pretty chill about it. And she had just spent the last three years trying to do unsupported, and finally finished unsupported. And so this year, she she just said, "I want to have all the warm grilled cheeses that exist on this trail," which is great. Um, but uh, so um, I I was just doing my own thing, thinking like. I'm unsupported. I don't have a lot of food and water. Um, I don't at this, at at the beginning of the race, I thought, well, I'm not going to finish until Wednesday. So this is going to be a really big challenge. And then after gateway, when we could actually ride again, I thought, okay, maybe Tuesday, maybe Tuesday is a good, good time to finish. And then, um, gateway, when I left gate or not gateway, when I left, um, Mel George's, I think I knew, no, I think there were a few people ahead of me, but I think I knew I was kind of making my way up. And then when it was the hike a bike, nobody can gain anything in the hike a bike section. Right. You're just yeah. all going the same speed, basically. Um, and then um, I still, at some point, Emily came by me and I wasn't sure, maybe I wasn't sure if Jill was ahead of me or behind me either. Um, but I, I hadn't seen them in a while, so I wasn't quite sure. And then when I got to Embark, um, and they said something about the lead bike, male bikers had, um, taken a wrong turn and lost oh, an hour wow. and a half and had gone off somewhere because the course looks really, it was, it, no, nothing was broken and there are trails that right. come in and out. And in, in all the other years that we've done this, there's been a groomer and snowmobile traffic. So it's more than obvious. Um, yeah. and this time it wasn't, somebody made a choice. Other people followed. When I got to that point, I just, it didn't feel right to not did not look right. And, um, I waited for somebody behind me who confirmed with their Garmin that we should go to the right, which is what I wanted to do, but it was nice to confirm that. Um, when I left checkpoint three and I realized, I don't know that I was like in third or fourth place or something, maybe, I don't know, something around there. Um, and there were only 25 miles to go. I mean, I had no more water. I was so hungry. I just put my head down and just hammered and it was really it was really hard i had to dig i had to dig really deep i I saw that photograph of you at the finish and you look spent you were like holy shit i thought i was smiling i was trying really hard (laughs) yeah i mean you. i was i was really yeah i had nothing i had nothing left i really um but but i don't there's i i I do feel i mean i I'm, i'm very competitive obviously with myself with others, uh, really go to that deep, dark place. I want to know that there was absolutely nothing left. And so there's that kind of, I, I, I know I can do that, but then when, you know, if someone's faster, I can't do, there's nothing I can, at that point, then I know there's nothing more I can do. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, there might be disappointment over not winning, but like, I don't really, um, as long as I know that there was zero left, then mm-hmm. there are no excuses. And then mm-hmm. 100% whoever else is in front deserves it. And that's amazing. Um, but I, I do feel like, um, do you feel like I punish myself maybe a little, I'm willing to, I'm willing to hurt myself a little bit more. I think. <laughs> One of the things that you uh, kind of mentioned that you pointed to uh earlier about you know continuing to do this over the years and they've 
this is the thing. I mean, this kind of stuff is exceedingly addictive. And the thing about Arrowhead is that you're doing this with other people. And uh, over the years, I see the same people at 2 o'clock in the morning. We, we live our life at the same pace. And we become really good friends. I mean, Judd Woody and I met 10 years ago, uh, I think, on the Arrowhead Trail. And we have done all kinds of things outside of this, all kinds of events. And, uh, you know, the people that I've gotten to know over the years, like Leah, I remember meeting Leah. I was just not feeling it the first time I finished in 2015. And uh, we were, thank God, only about 10 miles from the end, but we had been leapfrogging. But um, this is going to change your perspective about what is fun in terms of events. Because being with people out there year after year returning to this event, there is just nothing better. The people that participate in this, you, you, on the one hand, people jokingly say you got to be crazy. On the other hand, these are the sanest people on the planet. And yeah, uh, you're not weird by being there. You're just like you're with your people. I mean, no one's questioning like, "Why? Oh my gosh, why are you here? How could you be here? You're crazy." <laughs> we're we're all looking at you like, "Yep, we're just showing up. We're doing it. We're supporting each other." And that, but that that community, the family. There's, there's a different bond, I think, with these kinds of races than in others because yeah. it's really hard. And you get broken down to your most raw, vulnerable <laughs> human self where, you know, body fluids, um, you know, your, 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 what comes out of your mouth, your feelings, your life, you're just, it's all there. And, and we just sort of embrace each other and help each other out with it. And, um, it's, you don't get that in other places in life because you're not, you're just, it's so animalistic. We're just, we're just like these little tiny humans out there in the wilderness, um, trying to stay alive and, um, in a lot of pain and suffering and it's dark and it's cold and there's no cell service. And you, you, you know, if you stop riding or walking and you just listen, you don't hear anything. Yeah. Um, and, uh, occasionally the squeak of the, the bike symphony, but, um, otherwise it's, there's something just so, um, intimate that we go through together and, uh, and it's pretty wild and you can't replicate that any, anywhere else. You have to really be in this survival space together. <laughs> I, I'm definitely looking forward to toeing the line with all of you guys. If you have those negative thoughts, if you're thinking about the finish line, like, you know, that, you know, in sports, they always say, oh, picture the finish line, focus on it. Mm -hmm. You know, you, all, you do not want to do that in this race. You cannot just think about your moment. Are you hungry? Are you cold? Do you need something? How's your speed? You know, all just, just be, be selfish, be in yourself or look around you, enjoy what you see um, and take it mile by mile. And it'll go by a lot faster, for sure. Kate, I, I, this, this was uh, really, really fun for me to, I mean, I see you all the time and I'm kind of like, ah, oh, you know, that is Kate. She's amazing. She's so <laughs> damn fast. Uh, but I'm really glad I had this opportunity and it came at the right time because I stopped just because of what was in my head. I could have walked the whole damn thing. Mm -hmm. So... There it is. Uh, Kate, thanks tons and tons for coming on. Steve, thank you tons and tons for uh, coming on. Both of you sharing your stories of Arrowhead this year and uh, helping me and everybody who's listening who wants to come. I have a friend of mine from Georgia has expressed interest in Arrowhead. But uh, anyway, appreciate your knowledge. Appreciate your badassery. Thank you both. Well, thanks for really having me. It's great to meet you guys. Golly, wasn't that fun? I loved it, and I hope you did too. I want to thank Kate and Steve so much for coming on and sharing about their experiences at this year's Arrowhead 135. If you're intrigued by the Arrowhead race, whether biking it, skiing it, or doing it on foot, 
You can find everything you need at arrowheadultra.com. Now, if you're looking for a little something warmer, but still fun with a wide variety of terrain, including single track, grass, gravel, even pavement, check out the Core 4. Who's ready for some Core 4 news? After a huge spike in riders and a super thank you to everyone for coming out this year, these guys jumped right back into the fire. It's no surface untouched again for 2024 because Core 424 has a sweet sound to it, no doubt. New routes, new distances, and a new you. That's right, y'all, they are mixing it up with more surprises and delights. New for 24 is the Core 40 distance. Just a bump up from the 20 mile and still has all the farmscapes and B roads and champagne gravel you'd expect from the folks at Core 4, just without the single track. They're telling us 60 is the new 50, miles that is. It's a no-surfaced, untouched, podium-eligible route with all the cats in addition to their marquee 100-mile event. It's the perfect blend of competition and community. We want Core 4 to be on your event calendar for 2024. Jump on Bike Reg today, snag your spot before this event reaches its cap. Come ride the wave and get more bodies on bikes. It's blazing hot action every year and they'll keep the fire stoked all winter long with the 20, 40, 60 or 100 mile route Core 424 has something for everyone. It's time for the next time. Let's go. Again, I really appreciate you tuning in this week and I'd really love it if you would rate and review this show on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to support the show financially, just look for Bike Talk with Dave at buymeacoffee.com and drop a few coins in the cup. If you do, I'd love to send you a sticker. And be sure and check out the Bike Talk with Dave channel on YouTube, where you can watch some of our award-winning films, including A Thousand Miles to Nome and Down the Kuskokwim, as well as most every recent episode of this podcast. Next week, I talk with the director of the Mazda Orange Seal Gravel Racing Team, Johnny Gravel Harp. He's a great guy who's passionate about racing on gravel and has put together an awesome team of great humans who all crisscross the country racing gravel. So for now, enjoy the coming of spring, enjoy your rides, and remember that nothing compares to the simple pleasure of riding a bicycle.